When people think of the future, when people think of the future, they think technology. Tech, tech, tech. Take a drive through town. What do you see? You don't see tech, do you? This is the On Grade Podcast. This show is about construction and the people who make it happen. Whether you want to start your own business, grow your business, or learn more about construction, we'll have on the pros. From business owners to industry leaders, you'll hear about new equipment, building a company, and growing your business, and how the construction industry is changing. Let's do it. This is the On Grade Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Brandon Weinlein and Devin Boudreaux. Hey, everybody. Welcome to On Grade. This is episode 18. We're shooting in the new studio tonight. I got my co-host, Devin Boudreaux, in the studio. What's going on, guys? And we have Matt Morrison from MJM Utilities out of Rockwall, Texas, in studio as well. How you doing tonight, Matt? Pretty good. How about yourself? I can't complain. And uh, we've got this guest MC tonight. You guys might know him as a certified wrench on the Certified Wrench podcast, Mr. Colt McCormick. I was going to do the waka, waka, waka. (laughs) So we we got a new switcher, and uh, none of us knew how to run it. So Colton was like, I'll come over and run it for you. And I was like, freaking bet, bro. (laughs) So Colton's here tonight, and he's going to be guest MC for the show. So uh, I uh, wanted to say thank you, everyone, for the last few weeks. We haven't had much going on on the show. We've actually recorded all these episodes about, what was it, about a month ago? Yeah, I think so. Something like that. Yeah, it's been over a month and I moved guys. So that's why we haven't come out with a new episode. So I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, all the guys that have been buying shirts and all that stuff. And uh, there's a few people that I wanted to give a shout out to CMB excavation for the hat, man. We, uh, we really appreciate that. Mr. Christian, Christian, all the way from Canada, (laughs) send us a hat. I want to say thank you to, of course, the certified wrench for all the support he's been giving us on his show also want to give dirty and driven a shout if you guys haven't listened to them before give them a listen on spotify itunes i think they're on youtube now too are they on youtube yet uh no but you ever have the problem with calling them down and dirty because i always do that (laughs) (laughs) who knows why Uh, of course i want to give a shout out to my boy eric he's been spreading all the love on the show for us just want to say thank you to uh canadian sanitation for uh Buying a hat, phaser marketing. Somebody else bought a hat. Sweet baby Jesus. Yeah, we, we got a lot of people bought some stuff. So I gotta I got I'll, I'll get back to that. So we'll, we'll hit get, you on the Instagram. Page. Yeah, we'll hit you on the Instagram. So, anyways, we're uh gonna be sitting down with Mr. Matt Morrison tonight. Matt, you're in utilities, so kind of give us your background, man, how you got started and all that. Yeah, so I started in 2019. Um, I had a background in fire protection, and we kind of just started out doing small fire lines, fire line repairs, and it blew up to a full-scale utility company and blew up into a monster that is just unstoppable. <laughs> but Snowball rolling down a hill. Exactly. <laughs> how, long, so, how long you been doing it? I've been doing it now since uh, about 2014, and um, yeah, we just have been rolling with it. <laughs> what made you get into Fireline? So Fireline, my dad, he actually had a fire protection business for 33 years, and 
that was like my whole life. I grew up every summer working with him, just said, hey, I need to figure out a way how to get out of these buildings that are freaking hot in the summertime. <laughs> I want a little bit of a breeze from the outside. So what can I do to get outside? And I saw a couple of jobs. There was a guy with a backhoe and, you know, just like everybody else in the dirt world, I always had a love for tractors my whole life. And I saw a guy on a backhoe installing some water line, supplying the fire sprinkler system. And I was like, well, that seems a lot easier than what I'm doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So Matt, what is, uh, what was the hardest thing for you to learn about the estimating side of that? Um, the estimating side actually came on pretty easy because, you know, I'd always had my dad to look uh, up to and, you know, he taught me basically there's three things that you need to know. How much is your materials going to be? How much is your labor going to be? And then what is your profit and overhead need to be at the end of the day so you can take home money and successfully run a business and keep that business rolling and Basically, you know, I all I had to do was at first I was doing the work, estimating the work, all of it. So, I mean, I knew how long it would take to do a job. If there was a job that I knew was going to be two or three days, then I would just go ahead and bid it for a week just in case. And that's the biggest thing that's helped me out because – you run into issues with inspectors saying one thing and then wanting another thing at the end of the day. So then the job just drags on and drags on. You see some people that'll say, oh, it only takes two days to do a little water service. And then you're out there for a week doing a water service or having to make multiple trips. And then and you run a volunteer operation. <laughs> exactly. You're not making any money at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those things. You, you can't control that. That's the... It's the unknown stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I uh, I got to tip my hat to both of you guys because uh, estimating pipe, that makes my brain hurt, dude. <laughs> this linear foot crap. Nah. <laughs> Iameter and figuring embedment and all this. It's, <laughs> I'm good, man. Give me a square. How deep I'm going, I'll give you cubic all day, baby. Oh. Square, cubic, whatever you want, but I ain't messing with that linear crap. Oh, no. For us, it's pretty easy because, you know, everything's right there in front of you, so it's like, you know how much pipe you're going to need. You know how many labor hours you're going to need. You know what equipment you're going to need on a dirt job. You know, sometimes you could use a way bigger machine than what you actually think at first. Well, the best way to do it is you always bid with the biggest machine you can. And you, and you do it, you bid it with the biggest machine. If you can knock it out with a smaller machine, it gets done in about the same amount of time. Exactly. There's your profit. You're, you're skimming a little more off the top. I got to ask you guys this, but I want to ask this is something we haven't really ever talked about with utilities because we don't talk about it, but how many different supply houses do you normally need on a pipe job? I've always wondered that. Uh, generally, I just use one because um, I, I found them six months ago. I was having a problem of one utility or one supplier telling me, Oh yeah, we can get this to you in two weeks. And then I'm sitting here at two weeks thinking it's going to happen. And then down the road, it's, you know, I give them a call and they're like, Oh yeah, well we just told you two weeks cause that was a estimated time. And then we're sitting here at a month now and they're like, Oh yeah, it's going to be another two weeks. So I found one customer, one supply house that can be consistent 
And I've just rolled with them because every time they tell me a date, it's delivered on that date. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I've i always done it. I've pretty much stuck to one supplier, unless it's something that, you know, one-off they can't get or I got to go to a different spot to get something. Yeah. You know, sometimes you might go and get weird catch basins or vaults or something somewhere else, but usually you're going to source everything from one supply house. And I've always found the same thing. If you get good service somewhere and they're going to cater to you and help you and help you grow and build, why else, why go elsewhere? And everyone's like, Oh, well, you might get a better price over here. Ultimately I don't really care. You do, but you don't like, yeah. I care more about the service than I do so much about the price. It's gotta be competitive, but at the same time, if I'm getting top notch service and I can depend on them, that, that means more to me than anything. And that that's any business. Exactly. Know? Yeah. That's my main problem is you would say, uh, I'm going to have this catch basin here in two weeks. So I'll have to wait to install it. Well, I've got other jobs to go out onto. So I've got to pull a machine off of there, then go back to that job. Once that great inlet delivers and that's costing you money. Every time I was going to ask you, are you guys getting away? Are they starting to let you guys get a remote for that? Because it's stuff's out of your control. Cause it's an unforeseen, technically you could say it's an unforeseen circumstance. Can you generally not? Um, just because you know, the way that these contracts are written is ridiculous. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta factor it in. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. It's kind of standard, you know, you're ordering catch basins two, three weeks, you need volts. Six weeks, you yeah. Know, but you kind of know what it's going to take to get stuff, or they're going to give you a heads up, like, "Hey, you're probably going to be this." So you give the option, "Hey, we can start the job when everything's here, or we can start now, mob again." You know, and I'll just let them know, "Hey, we can start now and get X, Y, Z done. You can come in behind us and do this, this, this. We got to come back to put this in or do this and do that. It's going to be extra mob charge. What do you want to do? Yeah. You know, and if you're upfront about it all and run with it, then it's in there. It's written in there. You already got it costed in. You bid it." And you do it. If you have your supplier not deliver on time and you didn't factor it in and talk to them, you're eating that. Yeah. Yeah. Back, uh, back last year, the biggest thing was concrete suppliers because I would order through my supply house, which would go through a third party contract, uh, concrete supplier. And, you know, it's kind of hard because they can't hold them to a standard of, hey, you told us this date, we need it on this date because they're in the same boat as me. Like they don't want to piss off their supplier and ruin that relationship. Yeah. So it's one of those, it depends on what it is, but yeah, you always try to factor it in. If you're going to be coming back multiple times, I don't see it very often where you can, things that are on your end screw up. That's your problem. Yeah. That's kind of the story you get. Yeah. I got to say, you know, yeah, I did have a utility company for a short time, but I had two people in there running it for me. So I was like, in the candy store and we went out and did our first pipe job and i'm like this is so cool we got <laughs> trench boxes and they're putting pipes together this is so freaking cool and everybody's like dude it's not that hard i'm like you gotta understand dude i've been in dirt for 10 years like i have no this is totally different world than i'm used to and so you know we've we've been talking about starting businesses and stuff but this is something that we wanted to bring you on about is when you're getting started and this is for both of you what tools would you guys recommend at a minimum for guys to get started with? If they're wanting to get into just doing a corner lot where they, the water line's right there on the edge of the property, just doing a quick tie-in, what would you guys recommend? I would recommend, first off, uh, Impact, definitely with Megalugs and everything else. 
Whenever I first started out, it was a ratchet and an inch and a quarter socket. <laughs> yep. Man, I I don't know how many summers I killed myself with that thing. I was like, you know what? I'm going to break down and I'm going to spend the money and I'm going to get me a $300 impact. And it yep. made a world of difference. And the time too. You look at it, it's like, oh, it's 45 minutes to bolt up this Megalog by hand or <laughs> 10 minutes to do it with the impact. Yeah. It's just, Yeah. Battery-powered tools have made all of our lives easier, from yes. grease guns to impacts to cutters, everything. But I, most of the stuff you can rent. I mean, if you're going to get into doing services and small commercial and stuff, go buy a tapping tool. Yeah. yeah. Be able to do your own taps, not have to run to the supply house and try to rent one if it's there, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think when we did our first pipe job, we just included it in the, I think Wallace just ordered it with the with our materials. So we got a tap kit, like it came out. I think we had one that went from quarter inch all the way up to like four inch. It's like one of those interchangeable taps. I don't want to, I wouldn't want to pay for that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's sitting in our office now and never gets used. So, hey, Devin, if you need a tap kit, buddy, I'll come pick it up next <laughs> yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, leave, not, they're better, not cheap, but I'll leave a check with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll get you next year. Yeah. I got you. Payment plan. Got you. Yeah, yeah. Eagle payment plan. Hey, you guys got PayPal credit, right? Yeah, like. exactly. <laughs> I guess it really depends what you're going to do. There is some specialty stuff depending on what you're going to do, but pipe laser, grade laser. Yeah. You know, and, if you're going to go GPS. And I'm that. still trying to figure it out day by day because, like, the pump situation, I have not figured that one out yet. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, we go back and forth between owning the pump and then it going out within two months. So then you're spending another $600 or just renting one at your local Home Depot right next to the job for a hundred bucks. Well, I didn't say this, but TSC has a really good warranty plan on their pumps. It's an extra 75 bucks. And uh, yeah, when it stops working, you just bring it back. I think we're on number six in four months. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> that's that's just something that you do not think about. Like something as simple as a water pump not going out every two months, and you're just like, what? Yeah, have multiple ones. Yeah, we don't have to. You know, we have pumps, but dude, literally, my guys use our pump when we're doing moisture ignition. It like super rains really hard, like really hard. <laughs> yeah, we're we're using the pump for that, or if we're like digging out a pond or something, you know, digging out a detention pond or something we'll bring out our pump but yeah i got a four inch and a three inch that i bought a harbor freight and if they even start kicking a little bit we just add a little oil and well for us it's punch it three or four times it's fine hit it with a hammer yeah. <laughs> for us you, you cut a ditch open you got trench bottom opened up it rains that all turns to mud you ain't putting pipe in there or you're gonna have it's gonna sag or it's gonna settle so yeah. when you got a ditch cut it's pretty well not impossible. I've done it, but it's not fun to crawl back in there and try to skim the bottom. So yep. it's uh yeah, you want to have a pump in there, get that dry <laughs> quick, but it's, it's like anything really. There's always specialty tools. If you're starting out, rent it, man, you can yeah. pretty much rent anything between all the rental houses. There's not many tools that you can't go out and rent. My first six months, I was in my head so much before I started this company and I was just pissed off with my past situation with former employers and stuff. And I was like, man, there's no way I'll be able to start because I just don't have enough capital to start. And really all you had to do is just rent. I rented for the first six months and I saw that there was profit in it. And then slowly just each job, buy a tool, buy this tool, buy this tool. 
and then it cut that rental out and increased my profits. What was the first machine you bought? Um, it was a 50 G mini X and then I bought a 325 skid steer. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I'd rented for six months and I was like, I, I worked up the numbers and I was like, I spent that much on rental <laughs> paid for that machine for four years already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You and I were talking about that. Uh, what day before yesterday when we did our, our call about the episode. Yeah. Oh, dude, that was hilarious. He was like, I had four on rent and I'm like, turned them in and I went, Shit, dude, I've done paid for half of them. <laughs> all four of them on four months of rent, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's just a battle that you go through daily in your head. You're like, man, I don't know if I want that big a financial commitment, but you're like, if you're in business, like you gotta be in it a hundred percent. Yeah. But at the same time, rent when yeah. you start. Like like yeah. bite the bullet, eat the cost, rent it. You're still gonna make money. Yep. You know, you can still be profitable on a job at rentals get rolling once you know what you're going to do because like anything you're going to specialize in something yeah you know you might do more fire line than you're going to do pipe you might do small service you know rather than being massive catch basins and stuff and that's the thing you go out and buy something and well shit you can't set a vault because it's not big enough and you're <laughs> renting a machine anyways now or so go out and start working first and figure out what you're going to do before you go out and buy gear because yeah. it's you can buy the wrong thing really easily exactly yeah, and I've I've talked to a couple people that have started out, and they're like, "Yeah, I bought a skid steer, and then I realized it wouldn't load a truck," <laughs> and then they were kind of stuck with that situation. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. You really got to get into it and start and figure out what it is you're doing before you go out and buy something. It's definitely going to benefit you way more to go and do that. Bite the bullet, pay the extra cost up front learn the business and figure out what you want to do and where your business is going to come from before you go out and commit yourself to that. And even into it now, like I'm at the point now I just bought another machine and it was still that same, like, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> I got a couple of jobs going to need it on. It's going to be, you know, better to buy it than it is to rent it. And then, you know, you always go back and forth and weigh the payments and the pros and cons. Exactly. And, you know, and, and even when you start, buying stuff you're not necessarily going to have full utilization of it but you kind of got to do a little bit of forecasting in the future and, and figure yeah. out what it is you're going to need yeah whenever i first started i told myself i was going to have a five-year goal of for the first two years i was going to just do mini x skid steer just that's all i was going to need was just those two pieces of equipment see how much profit i have at the end of that five years and then i would jump to a fifty thousand pound machine and then something happened along the way where it was, it got upside down and I was like, okay, well now it's time to buy a 50,000 pound machine within three years. <laughs> well, and that's, that's the thing. What you're, you're running deer mostly, are you? Yes, sir. How are you, how are you liking them? Awesome. Awesome power, lifting capabilities, everything with them. That's, that's cool. the, that's the deer professional sitting here, right? By the way, <laughs> that's Mr. Deer over there in the flesh. Yeah, whatever. I started with deer. My only complaint when they're skid steers that turned me off was just the uh, turbo lag. They break yeah, yeah. all the freaking time. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm not sponsored by them or anything, but Kubota is where it's at. <laughs> Kubota 95 is proven the best skid steer on the market. Man, if I, you're not in the cab running it, <laughs> listening to that glass door rattle yeah. all day long, <laughs> just <laughs> driving you absolutely mental, then yeah, sure. It, it, hey, if you're brush hogging with that thing, it's like, oh my God, get me out of this thing. I want to kill myself. 
I'm telling you, once you go to a torsion suspension skid steer, you will never go to a rigid well, mountain. I've run, a, I've run plenty of cat 299s, man. They're amazing. I won't even bullshit you, but like <laughs> I've run the Bobcats too. Once they came out with the joysticks, game changer. But if you got to change a hydraulic hose on that thing, God freaking help you need a PhD to figure out how to take it apart. <laughs> My man Colton over here can attest to that one. I know he can. Mm-hmm. He's got so, a couple busted knuckles from that one. <laughs> so on your questionnaire that we sent you, you brought up that how you're looking at how instead of everyone looking at each other as competitors and seeking how we can all help each other. What I wanted to bring up was I went to a secret squirrel meeting today. I'm not going to put names out. They know who they are. Uh, they also listen to the show. Uh, there is a group of us contractors here in Dallas, and I'm going to be getting both of you. I've already told you I'm going to get you into it. I'm going to make sure you get an invite next time. Um, we're on the same page, and we're going to begin to do that. Mm-hmm. The problem that you run into in this industry is 10 guys all are on the same page. It's that one guy, though, that's not. And he's the one that screws it for everybody else. And we have to identify that gray man. And that's what we used to call him in the military. The guy that was the problem child, but you could never figure out who he was. Socks and locks, boys. Socks (laughs) and locks. (laughs) The way you identify that guy is you starve that guy out. You make sure that he goes and works for all the crappy GCs and all that. And he's the one that ends up going down. While the rest of us are working for the good clients and playing by the rules and playing fair. And we're playing a fair game where it's fair fit you know, on both ends of the field. That's how you get rid of these guys. It cracks me up whenever you talk to somebody in the industry and you're like, how are y'all doing? And they're like, oh man, we're super swamped. We just got so much work. We can't even keep up right now. And then you're like, okay, but what are your profit margins at? And they're like, oh man, we broke even on this job or we lost a little bit of money on this job or we lost money on this one. And it's like, wait a minute. Why are you doing work if you're losing money on almost every one of your jobs? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, they they bought a job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I've always kind of done this, and I'm not scared to not get a job. You know, and I know what it's going to cost to do a job properly, and I'm looking at, you know, the whole scope of it, and I see, you know, we're going to have problems here. We're going to have things here. I'm going to bid the job how I know it's going to cost to do it. And then I get a call and like, well, you know, you're kind of high, you know, on this, you think you can come down on price? No, I can't. This is why. Cause this, 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 this is going to be a problem. It's going to cost this it's going to cost that. If you want to go with them, go ahead. You're going to get change order to death on it. I'm not mm-hmm. going to hit you with a bunch of change orders. Cause I've already accounted for all this stuff. That's mm-hmm. why it costs more money, but you have to be willing to stand your ground. And a lot of guys I find they're scared to say no, they're scared to turn yeah. down a job. They're scared to not take a job. They're scared to not get it. I mean, we all, get that you know you you get the client that calls like oh can you can you drop the price and the first thing in your head is like okay how much can i knock off this price and then it's like you you just did your takeoff you ran your numbers you know what it's going to cost you didn't run the numbers and be like i'm going to 10x this and then send them the quote no you ran it at what it was going to cost to do the job so when they call you and the first thing they say is hey can you you can shave some money off here i don't want to say you know end the conversation there and hang up on them you listen to it and, you know, see what they're, where they're coming from with it. But at the same time, the first thought in your head shouldn't be, yeah, I'm going to drop my price on this. You bid the job at what it's going to cost you to do it. And you need to be able to back that up and stand your ground. And if you're not getting any jobs because you're too high, well, then you need to go back and look at what it is that you're doing wrong, why you're costing so much money or or where you can save money or, or, or something. But at the end of the day, don't be scared to turn down a job. You don't have to take every one of them and you have to be able to make a good, 
margin to do that. Yeah. Well, it's just so frustrating to me because my dad was in business for 33 years and he only had three general contractors that he did work for all the time. They didn't shop his price. They didn't do anything. They didn't even question what his price was. They just knew that he did good work, knew he was going to do what he said he was going to do. And they just went with him and there's none of that loyalty anymore. And it's just, it's something that we have to change in the industry. It's out there, but it's not as prominent as it used to be. Yeah. And and I think that's kind of coming with the change of generation. I think yeah. if anything, like you, you got to remember like your old man, my old man, the previous generation, it was more of a handshake kind of business yeah. kind of thing. Right. And there was loyalty and there was people work together and built relationships and we've gotten away from that with social media and all this instant gratification bullshit. And you got all these guys coming into the industry that are used to that. I want it now. I want it now. I want it cheap. I want it whatever. Amazon, all this crap. And it spills over into everyday business. But that's going to bite everyone in the ass. Yeah. And I think it's getting to that point now. And I mean, look at the labor force. Right now, I was reading this the other day. Or, yeah, it was the other day I was reading this. There's the average age of the labor force in the blue trade, blue collar trades has gone up over 10 years. So it used to be like 34 years old. We're at like 44 years old now, the average age in the workforce. Every 20 guys that retire, there's only seven to replace them. That's the numbers right now. That's the stats. What's going to happen in five years in that compounds? There's going to be less people working. How hard is it to find guys right now? You having, exactly. having a good time finding them? Yeah. I know I am. You know, and it's one of those things that they're not out there readily available. So push that down the road three, four, five years. How many less companies are going to be out there to do the work? How many more, how much more work is going to be? And we're going to be able to shift that table where, no, this is what it's going to cost to do this properly. And if you don't want to pay it, go find somebody else, but there's not going to be somebody else to find, yeah. you know, and that's, it's going to change. You just have to be able to hold your ground and, and stick to what it's going to cost to do a job. The other thing that's going to change the game is the automation. Yeah. You're pretty soon. It's going to get to the point. You're going to have a guy that can sit, not so much maybe on y'all's end, but Definitely in mine with mass X, that kind of work, moisture conditioning. You might have two guys on the job. You might have a guy spraying water and you might have the superintendent that's dealing with the lab tech. That's it. And you might have a guy sitting in the office that's literally auto controlling seven or eight different machines on 10 different jobs. I mean, it could be, you know, doing 15 things at once and there's no one out there. We just. and all of a sudden, everybody goes, man, they're replacing everybody with robots. Well, it's because we got an employee shortage. Yep. What makes no sense to me is, like you were just talking about, out of every seven, I, I listened to the same thing I think you did. It was on Instagram or TikTok. I heard that. He was saying that there's literally, there's not, there's not going to be enough people in like 10 years. There's not going to be enough guys to do the amount of work that's out there right now. Yeah, I went back and I actually looked up the study on it. And it was like, it's crazy when you actually start reading the data on it. It's it's mind blowing. And it's not just a problem here. It's a problem all across the world. It's everywhere. They're seeing the same thing. And I think Europe saw it first. And that's why you see so much more of like tilt rotators and, you know, attachments and stuff like that for uh, a new machine I ordered. I went in and I wanted to get a quote on a tilt rotator. They didn't even know what the hell it was. (laughs) And I'm like, what? Like you guys a caterpillar, like never even heard of it. Didn't know what it was and stuff. It's not a thing here. No one runs them, but you go up North and you go to places where you have less people it becomes more prevalent because you're eliminating a labor, you know, same mm-hmm. as like GPS putting, having grade control on a machine, especially when you're digging a trench, you don't have to have a guy in the ditch. You know, it's just smart. You're eliminating one, you're eliminating the potential for error. And two, you're also cutting down your labor cost. Yeah. So it makes a lot of sense, but 
I think where we're going to see things going is on the estimating side of stuff, you know, with ag tech, heavy bid, all that stuff. I think it's going to get to a point where you're going to have standardized pricing and it's probably going to be that because we can pull up ag tech or heavy bid and, and run a quote on a job just like the GC can, you know, and once that platform gets enough data in there, it's going to get to a point where you're going to have an average cost to install pipe in this place. You're going to have an average cost to moisture condition a cubic yard of dirt here. And I think we're just going to get to a point where it's just going to be set standardized pricing. It already kind of is in dirt, man. Like, you know, especially around here, it's gone up now because of diesel and stuff. But like, I can tell you all this for like four years, it was $3 and three and a quarter to do cut fill. Unless you were moving it like an insane amount of distance. If you're running scrapers and you had to take it a mile down the road, yeah, it was more, but like you're on, you know, 10 acre site. 10 to 100 acre site, that was usually a ballpark of what you were paying. It was about three and a quarter. You're doing moisture condition, it was between 375 and $4 a yard. Blue topping was 25 cents to 34 blue topping per square foot. So, I mean, it was, it was pretty regulated. Everybody's bids were within 10 grand of each other forever. And then you always got that one guy that was like, 50 grand less than everybody else. Like, <laughs> hey, man, I got this one bid, man. And you're like, what's the name of the company? And they're like, blah, 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 skid steer service. You're like, well, go ahead. Have fun with that guy. <laughs> it's kind of, it should be telling you something. When four of the five guys that bid this job are within five to seven grand of each other. <laughs> yeah. I should tell you, you know, who who knows what how to bid and who don't know how to bid. Yeah. Yeah, we just jumped into the world of GPS back in August. We got a 210 with automatics on it. And I mean, a, changer. a monkey can run that machine. It is. It sped my moisture conditioning up so much, dude, because the guys used to have to get out with tape measure, you know, just measure down in the hole. Now they're just like, boop, hit the autos <laughs> when they get the last two, eight, three tenths. Yep. Cut the last of it. Lab guy goes down in the hole. He just has our guys put the bucket on the ground and go, hey, can you give me that elevation? <laughs> so, well, that's how we do it now. Well, it's like with us, you know, our curb inlets, grade inlets, whatever, you know, they were always, our stakes were always getting knocked down. And it you don't really think about how much surveying cost you until all your stakes get knocked down five or six times on a job site. It's pretty good size and you're like, wait a minute, I spent how much on surveying again? <laughs> yep. And then just the GPS being able to say, okay, well, our stakes are knocked down, but this great inlet goes here. This curb inlet goes exactly right here. And being on the money every time is worth you, it. How long well, did it take you to get your guys used to using it? Quite some time. They were, uh, most of my operators are like in their 40s to 50s. So they're old school guys and they hate technology. <laughs> Do not, do not accept it at all, but I got a younger guy that he's training up to be an operator. My foreman is right now, and he loves it. He's like, man, <laughs> this is like playing a video game. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, my old guys are hysterical. They're actually the ones that gripe about the GPS now, and the young guys are like, well, I'd like to learn how to do it the old school way. So it's actually become like reverse psychology because they've gotten used to having GPS. So the sensor went out on one of our dozers like a week ago, and they called me, and they're like, the 850 sensor went down. I'm like, yeah, well, the part's a month out. And they're like, so that means i got to paint stakes for a month? Yeah, you got to paint cut stakes. you got to paint fill stakes. I know. It's terrible. The, the first, <laughs> i got to go back to doing it like we did 10 years ago. I know. First, it's horrible. Um, I worked with an older gentleman who was probably in his, uh, I don't even know. He was so old. <laughs> yeah. But he, he starts taking out stakes, banging stakes in the ground, and shooting string lines all over the place. And it looks like 
a spider is just moving a weave all over this job site. And I'm like, what is this guy doing right now? <laughs> it was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. So we're digging out a, a basement right now for one, one of the school jobs I'm doing. And it was funny because we're running GPS, but the concrete guy doesn't run GPS. So they actually had us leave the piles of dirt with the stake for him. <laughs> so we've got in the middle of this pad where the piers go, these giant piles. They're like five foot in the air with the stake on it. So their surveyor can go up there and shoot it. I'm like, bro, we can reset your point for you. Oh, we don't trust you. Just leave it where it is. <laughs> All right, well, we'll just dig around it. Don't get mad when we give you a change order. Come back and dig out that part because you yeah. wouldn't let us do it. Yeah. So it's funny because I was looking at the pictures on our field reporting software the other day, and I'm like, what is with the towers you guys got going on out here on this pad? And they're like, oh, well, the, the concrete contractor doesn't have GPS, and you don't trust that we're going to take those stakes out and put them in the right spot. I'm like, it's within a millimeter, dude. Like, what, what else do you want? Like, yeah. how accurate can you get? I mean, can a pier can be off a millimeter. I think we'd be all right. So <laughs> We had one job that the concrete guys were like, oh, your grates are three inches high. And I'm like, uh, no, not really. And I start taking out the GPS out of my truck. And he's like, what's that? <laughs> well, this is going to prove to you that it's exactly where it needs to go. <laughs> yeah. I haven't made the switch yet. I've uh, demoed it and my head exploded the first time I looked at it. And then I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to embrace this and learn to use it but uh it's coming he doesn't he doesn't use fahrenheit he doesn't use gps (laughs) i don't even know why we're friends anymore i really don't i mean you're great people though i still love you (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) he is my democrat no i'm just kidding i'm kidding i'm kidding he's he's actually like the i'm probably more democrat than he is actually it'd be funny i didn't come all the way down here to be that shit jesus (laughs) um dude so I was really loving the questions that you actually wanted to ask us. I'm pretty humbled by that, and I really appreciate you asking them. Uh, So the question he gave us was, when do you get comfortable enough to hire a project manager estimator? And, Devin, you're going through the same thing, so I thought maybe you'd give him an answer. Couldn't tell you because I'm still fighting with that one. (laughs) Okay. uh, Honestly, I'm at that point where it's like trying to wear seven hats at once all over again. So I did this once, you know, started – Built it up, was myself, started hiring people, you know, went through that all, came down here, started again, put the seven hats back on, doing everything, and then you're growing that much faster and you get to the point. And I'm at that point now where it's like, I just have to bite the bullet and do it. But it's, you know, you got it in the back of your head that no one's going to do it as good as you can. But the reality is it's it's not. You can find someone. Well, it worries me the most is like, I mean, even myself, like, you know, of course you're working all day out in the field. And then you go back home and you're bidding late at night and you miss, you know, a curb inlet here or something here. One job, there was a, a Richardson, they require a con shield oil water separator. And I was like, ah, yeah, well, I didn't have time to get a quote from my supplier. <laughs> so I was like, Five grand. yeah, I was like, screw it. It's probably like around 10 grand or something. Uh, no, that was actually 18,000. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, uh, this was a goof up on my end here. One of the first ones I did here in Princeton, I saw it on the plans. They wanted uh, coating on the manholes inside, epoxy coating. In Canada, when you order tanks and manholes and it calls epoxy coating, they come with them on it. So I just assumed that that's how it went here. So I sent it out to get price, got the pricing back, did the job. Manholes get delivered. I look inside, 
all spios. I'm like, why is there no epoxy coating on this, man? What are you talking about? So what said it needed to be epoxy coated mantle. Well, yeah, you get it done after. Really? Yeah. What? They don't just come that way? No, they don't do that down here, man. I'm like, oh, man. Okay. So then I start calling around. <laughs> Let me tell you, if you want a business to get into, start going coding manholes because uh, that stuff's not cheap. Oh, yeah. And yeah. they're quick. Like they're in and out. Two hours, you got a couple manholes done and like it's a hefty bill. Yeah. If you're getting into utilities and you want to go full into it, I would highly suggest before you bid a job, make sure to read through all the specs because every city is different. And that's what drives me nuts is that around the DFW area, you don't just have a standard, okay, this is what you do in Dallas area. Dallas has different than McKinney. And Irving and South Lake, all of them, so on and so on. It's you have to make sure to read those specs. And depending on what engineer does the drawing, you're going to get 10, 20, 30 pages, whatever it is. You're going to read through the drawings. You're going to see the spec page. You're going to read the spec page, but you're going to miss the note on the actual print that exactly. calls out something that's not on the spec page that you missed that then cost you a bunch of money and whatever else. But yeah, that's, that's the problem with utility drawings. And, Depends who draws them. And that's what terrifies me about hiring an estimator or even estimator slash project manager is, you know, there's so many things that you can miss that can make your job go upside down real quick. So it's like, that's when you need to really invest in finding a, that's where you got to spend the money. That's yeah. the one position in a company you spend the money. Like, Pay a lot for a superintendent, pay a lot for an estimator, pay a lot for a project manager. Because those three guys right there, are gonna make, or gals, not trying to be <laughs> unpolitically correct here. Could be both these guys. I mean, you never know. Uh, <laughs> and we're canceled. And <laughs> Spotify just cut us off. <laughs> what I was going to say about that, though, seriously, that is the best bang for your buck. Make sure you find somebody that's super qualified. Like I do not bring guys in unless they got at least 10 to 15 years experience. And because I kind of follow something, you know, a lot of people, whatever they think about Trump, I don't really care. That's your opinion. But I will say that man was brilliant in business. And one thing he always said was I might be the richest guy in the room, but I hire the smartest people in the room. And that's something he does. And that's what made him successful. You know, I'm taking that out of his book that hey, that dude knew what he was doing, man. He he didn't know everything, but he yeah. got people that sure as hell knew that field if he had yeah. a question about it. So do your research, man. Do do some digging. Get on LinkedIn and be like, hey, I'm looking for a guy. And I'll tell you something, um, especially I know all of us here have a LinkedIn. And I'll tell you, it's that app is super helpful, dude. You can find some really amazing people on there. I mean, I wouldn't have found you. I wouldn't have found a lot of people that I deal with now. If it wasn't for LinkedIn. Yeah. And yeah, the gram's awesome. Don't get me wrong. Gram's <laughs> fun. You know, you can put the cool picture your excavator on there and stuff. But like, I mean, but really, if you're trying to do the professional side of stuff, LinkedIn is where it's at, though, yeah. for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I agree. Well, um, at that same point, though, like, how do you find somebody not only that can bid, properly bid and knows all the specs and everything, but how do you find somebody that is also trustworthy that, you know, there's some people out there that, they want no part of owning their own business whatsoever. But there's also other people out there that want you to use you as a stepping stone, basically to get to the next level. And if they like steal your, I've heard of multiple companies where people were actually stealing machines from big companies, using them on their job sites and bidding work 
on the side <laughs> and using the company that they're working for's equipment and all kinds of stuff. Like how do you Here here's my philosophy on that. I honestly want to be able to train every one of my guys to the point that they can leave, start their own company, go work somewhere else and be the best fucking possible person at that whatever they do. Yeah. If I was to sit here and worry about a person leaving me or taking business or screwing me over or whatever, I'd never hire anybody and yeah. I'd never grow and I'd never move forward. And I honestly look at it and I, I truly mean this. Like I want my guys to learn everything they need to learn to be able to leave and go somewhere else if that's what they want to do and succeed doing whatever it is they want. But on the backside, treat them so good that they're never going to leave. Yeah. You know, and there is a lot of guys that have the ability to go out and run a business, but not a lot of guys really want to go out and do it. Yeah. You know, they like the idea of owning a business, but they're not really prepared to do what it takes to, to do it. You know, and being in it, they see that. And it's, you're, you're going to, it's a chance you're going to take. You're going to have that, you're going to take that gamble. Yeah. But I don't know. I just look at it as I want my guys to be able to learn everything they need to learn and be able to go and do that if that's what they want. And I'll help them. You know, I've, I've had a guy, you know, that didn't really work out. Not because he wasn't a good worker and stuff, but he just really wanted to go do his own thing. Man, I helped him get started. Back in Canada, we shared work back and forth and, you know, I helped him get going. It doesn't hurt to do that, you know. Yeah, it hurts in the moment, yeah. but at the same time, it doesn't hurt you in the long run because it's always going to come full circle, right? So, I don't know. That's just how I look at it. And Maybe I'm wrong, but that's how I see it. Yeah. I look at it like kind of I'm going to caveat what he said because he nailed the he nailed it on the head for me, but something I would say to add to it is you want your guys to succeed. I want my guy. There's guys that I work for me that I think could go out on their own and completely kill it. I really do. They're killers. Like they're they're go getters. They're hardworking. I think a lot of them got a taste of what real commercial construction is, though. And I can tell you, I don't think most of them want to deal with that. I think a lot <laughs> of them want to go to doing the smaller stuff. Yeah, and they'd kill it because they're really good operators and they're they know how to handle money yeah. and that. That part of the job, I think they do well. But I've actually had a lot of guys leave us and go to GCs and become PMs over there or superintendents because that is, I hate to say it, and nobody listening to GC, no offense to you, but it's an easier job. You don't need to be as technical as you do as a sub. You get to go to the golf outings on Fridays, and most <laughs> of the time you leave work at 1 or 2 in the afternoon. You know, They got a little bit easier life than we do. The caveat to that is, you know, when you walk in a room, nobody trusts you. Most people smile and nod at you and under their breath, they're like, fucking GC. And, and <laughs> yeah, I'm saying what's everybody. I did this today at that round table. Y'all are going to laugh at me when I tell you all this. But today I was like, everybody's being PC, PC. And I looked at Garrett. Garrett just nods. And I'm like, okay, I want to say what everybody else in the room is going to think. These guys are fucking assholes. They don't want to pay their fucking bills. And, you know, and everybody's like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. The concrete guy sitting next to me is like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, you know. And they're like, I'm like, why does anybody else say this shit? And they're like, oh, you know, I don't want to offend. I'm like, fuck offending somebody, dude. It's your money, bro. If you're going to offend somebody because you're trying to make sure your guys get paid and you can pay your bills and you're protecting your company, fuck that, dude. You're going to make enemies. So what? Who gives a shit? There's a hundred different people to work for in this town, especially in this town. Yeah. Like, yeah, I get it. Like where you were at. Yeah. You got to be a little more careful about it, but where we're at, fuck that dude. Well, at the end of the day, they're still playing the same game too. <laughs> it's not like, not like they don't know how it rolls and they're doing the same thing too. So it is what it is, but 
Yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't, uh, back to what you were talking about. I, uh, I've sub out my estimating. So I have a guy who does my estimates, takeoffs, does the takeoffs. I price and bid the, build the job. And honestly, it was the same thing. Like in the beginning, I was like, man, the funny thing is he actually reached out to me. And at first I was like, no, this isn't going to work. And yeah. a couple of weeks later, I was just thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? Why don't I just try this? So I had him do a couple of takeoffs and then I did it myself and I compared them. I'm like, man, that guy caught shit. I didn't even see. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> seriously, you know, and you, you, you do that a couple of times and then you, you build up the trust. And now it's to the point, like it comes in, like I've had stuff go to the supply house, you know, and they're, they're pretty damn good. They catch a lot of shit. Yeah. I've had stuff go to the supply house and come back and there's stuff missing on there that he picked up. And now I just start sending his stuff off to them and they're literally pricing off of his stuff. And I, I check it, go through it, you know, what's it when it's already done and complete and it's sitting there in an Excel sheet, how long is it going to take me to go through that line for line, check yeah. everything, find it 30 minutes, you know, how long is it going to take me to do the takeoff? You know, you're just buying time. Right. But yeah, it's kind of to the point I'm in the same boat where I'm like, I'm probably gonna have to bite the bullet here real soon and bring somebody in house to do it. And it's going to be, a learning experience and I'm sure it will probably be no worse than you learning to use GPS the first time or no worse <laughs> than it's going to be for me when I do that too. Right. Yeah. But it's just yeah. natural progression. Yeah. I'm definitely going to have the popcorn out. <laughs> yeah. yeah my, uh, GPS. I'm going to sit on tailgate with the popcorn. Just, man, the, uh, the GPS guy coming out, he, he came out the first time, set us up and everything. And then he came out multiple times after that. And then I would call him every time we would have trouble setting it up or, it wouldn't sync right. And uh, every time I was like, man, I know that you're getting tired of me by now. And he's like, no, this is this is what, what we're here is, for. Yeah. yeah. What are you running, Top Gun or? Top Gun. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Did you just do the machine or you did base rover, the whole? The base rover, yeah. everything. Yeah. Yep. It's a big investment, but I don't know. Everyone that has it. <laughs> Tells me the same thing. Like you just, you're never going to go backwards. After. No, you seriously, you do not. It is a game changer for sure. It's uh well, it's no different than years ago when they went from, you know, the old sight glass and uh, the yeah. grade rod to the lasers, you know, I'm sure it was the same transition at that point. Exactly. Just I still run a transit, man. I mean, we have that as a complete backup. I think you and me were talking about that one episode. Um, Robert has one in his truck. I bought him one last year. And I'll tell you something, it saved our butt a few times when they're like, oh, your GPS is off. Your GPS is off. And we'll sit there and shoot it with the GPS and then take the target, put it on the rod. And they're shooting within a millimeter yep. of each other. And I'm like, yeah, this ain't off. And this is line of sight, dude. So what's your argument now? <laughs> well, it's, it's crazy because, like, you know, the pipe lasers, everybody in Colorado oh, them, up yeah. and uh, north of that, Canada and stuff, you always see the guy setting the pipe laser in the pipe. And here in Texas, everybody sits it up top of the ditch. And I've heard multiple times humidity in the pipe down here. It'll throw that laser off sometimes. And you got to go old school and check it and double check. Hmm. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When, when we were doing it, we ran it out of the ditch. And then we ran it in the wintertime. We ran it in the ditch. And then balls are running it up on top when it was warmer. Yeah. It's depending on the day. How do you run it? Do you run it in the ditch or how do you guys We do run it? it on top. Yeah. I still run laser and grade rod. Yeah. On top. Run it through. Keep yeah. it gangsta. <laughs> I love it. Idiot yeah. proof. <laughs> so my plays are pretty good too though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Getting back to the PM thing real quick. You want to make sure too, man, that he understands the game. He understands contracts. He understands all that because We've learned here over the years that three sets of eyes on a contract is usually the best way to do it. Yeah. You know, 
like uh, Devin says this all the time on the show. You can't eat an elephant all at once, but you can one bite at a time. Those contracts sometimes are 40 to 50 pages long. <laughs> so if you have one guy look at the scope, you have the other guy look at the legal jargon, you have another guy looking at payment terms, you have another guy looking at, you know, insurance requirements and stuff. And then you all sit down at the end of the day and compare notes, have a little round table kind of like we're having right now. Everybody can be like, yeah, I don't really like that. You know, we should change this. We should change that. And believe it or not, we started doing that. I have my estimator sit down my super, me and a PM, and we all go over it. And I'll be honest with you, we don't, we don't miss a lot now. Yeah. Because when I was doing it all by myself, nine times out of ten, I'm looking at it, and then Devin sending me a meme, or I'm laughing about something, or my girlfriend texts me because she's sent me something funny on TikTok, and I get distracted. I'm like, oh, that's funny. And then I get back and I'm like, oh crap, where was that on the contract? So, you know, it's just like, I gotta, I gotta remind, I, of course I have ADHD, so that doesn't help either. So, you know, it is what it is, but you know, you want to make sure that when you are doing a contract, man, that you are really thorough with those because that is what makes or breaks the job and having a good PM, that should be number one thing you should be good at is knowing legal jargon, making sure he's got the proposal right here contract right here and you're just like yep 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 no they missed that okay make sure we put that in in our proposal i look at it like this if you can find a gc that'll sign your proposal dude you got it made because you literally have i mean if you do write a good proposal which i assume you do you got all your inclusions and exclusions in there devin's seen my proposal i literally dug a trench for him and i sent him a five-page proposal (laughs) 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 he calls me he's like we bit excessive here. I was like, bro, you know, it's uh, been doing this a while. <laughs> I hear guys all the time that have been going for a while and they're like, make sure that your exclusion's really long. And whenever I first started, I had like three or four exclusions. Oh boy. And then, you know, after my first six months, it was like I had one thing on my inclusions <laughs> and my exclusions was basically a whole page of just BS that you think that won't affect you at all especially doing utilities and it's like people want you to resod the whole landscape area and it's like i'm a utility contractor like mm-hmm. what are you talking about yep Every- best, the best one ever was a couple of years ago i had a gc tell me that i'm supposed to bring in uh, a certain type of topsoil and it was like some c3 crap that you have to get from like living earth and it's like 110 dollars a ton <laughs> and i had to bring in 2500 tons of it and i was like yeah, you can get, you know what? Yeah. I'm not doing that shit. Yeah. He's like, oh, it's in your contract. I said, point it out. He couldn't find it. Of course he couldn't. He's like, well, it's in the plans. I said, that doesn't matter. I said, did you read what it says in the contract? He says, no. I said, read the fucking contract. He looks in there. He reads topsoil. It says on-site use only, on-site soils only. So he, I just literally kind of did the whole like, like that, you know, <laughs> Mike dropped that shit. I walked out of his office and the guy's like, I could just see his neck vein just you know and i was like get fucked bro i don't care i'm not gonna go out of business just because you think you can give me a change order for that i'm more happy to do it and of course you guys know how that goes i'm not gonna do that yeah we'll get somebody else do it okay get somebody else do it so i suckered the utility guy into doing it (laughs) and he calls me of course buddy of mine he calls me and he's like i didn't realize this shit was 125 bucks a ton i said why do you think i said no He's like, well, I wish you would have gave me a heads up. I said, I didn't think they were going to call you. I thought of all people, they call landscapers to do this shit, not <laughs> fucking you. 
And that goes back to stick to what you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. That's one thing that I had to learn the hard way is don't do anything extra. Uh Stick to what you know. If you know just utilities, you don't know excavation, stick to utilities. We'll demo out. We'll demo out like manholes and stuff sometimes for them. But that's because my guys have done it. And usually the utility guys will be like, hey, when you guys are getting ready to do it, we'll come out and cut the pipe for you. You know, they'll cut the ends of the pipe off or whatever they need to do. We'll pull it out. That's no big deal. We don't care about doing that. It's when you go, hey, we got 25-foot grade beams in the ground, and we need you to go down 12 foot and demo them out. I'm like, so there's this great company down the street that has a machine that does that. Why don't you just call them? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, their bid was too high. Well, they're a demolition company, so of course they're probably going to be higher than me. So, yeah, I'm not a demolition company. Yeah, I love that. I'm sure you guys know this, too. Uh, we get confused for some reason. that they, they think excavation spells demolition. <laughs> I get asked that all the time. They're like, hey, will you knock a house down? I'm like, that's what demo guys do. Like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's a wood slab. And then you always pull it out, and it ends up being a 10-foot thick concrete slab from, like, 1950 that they... <laughs> They thought that the you know the Soviets are going to nuke them, so they got they got a freaking bunker under the house, you know. And you're like, dude, I'm not doing this. Like, and they're like, well, what can't you? And you're like, I need a ja- I need a ten ton jackhammer just to take your foundation out, bro. Like, I'm not doing this. Those demos are fun though. There's uh, very few things that you can do in an excavator that's more fun than demo at house. No, it's totally true. It's the best time I ever had, though, was in Oak Cliff with a D10 knocking houses down. <laughs> I think I told you that story. No. Yeah. We were doing a, a we were, they're building a lofts down there. You know, all those new lofts they built down there kind of, well, I'm sorry. It's still Oak Cliff, but the Bishop Arts District. <laughs> yeah. It's still Oak Cliff. All right. So anyways, they, uh, they had, a, we went through there about 10 years ago and cleared all that out, all the crack houses and all that crap, right? So it's all overgrown with brush. You probably remember when you were a kid. Yeah. It's all overgrown with brush and all that stuff. So we took a 10 through there and just knocked them all down and then came behind them with jackhammers and knocked the slabs up. So I'm in the 10, and uh, I'll never forget it because they said all the houses were cleared out, right? So I just start. I got the bull blade down, and I'm just going, and I'm and all of a sudden I see like three dudes like run out, and one's like got his boxers down like at his legs because he was trying to shit into a bucket or something in the house. It was a crack house. And all of a sudden, I just see this powder come out of the house from when I was, like, shoving. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's probably asbestos, right? Yeah. And everybody's like, no, that wasn't asbestos, bro. Just keep going. It's fucking heroin, dude. Fucking went all over the streets. Oh, my God. There was needles everywhere, dude. I mean, needles. Oh, it was terrible, dude. If I'm on the west side of Dallas, my favorite thing to do coming home from work at 4 o'clock is take the HOV lane, hit with their traffic, Go through downtown Dallas and just look at all of the homeless people. You oh, yeah. see some sights. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got 10 cities all over the place down there now. Yeah. It's like getting like that in Fort Worth. Of all places, Fort Worth's getting like that. You know, it's like Once really? you cross that center line of Dallas, things get real weird yeah. down there. Yeah, yeah, I tell people, it gets kind of western over there. Yeah, it gets kind of western down there. Oh, that anything on the south side of Dallas, all rent equipment. I don't care how much it costs, oh, yeah. <laughs> all rent equipment. Yep. Every time <laughs> they better have razor wire around the job site. Yeah. 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 They did a job one time. I did. They put razor wire on the job site because <laughs> I think it was uh, the 10th time their job trailer got broken into and all the computers got stolen out of there. They were like, yeah, we're going to put razor wire up. I was like, 
They got to the point they started getting like off duty cops to sit on the jobs and shit was still getting stolen off the job. It's like, are you kidding me? They got a fucking cop sitting out here. They're still stealing shit. <laughs> yeah. Good times. So uh, now that we're off topic completely, what, uh, what, like how many crews are you running right now? Uh, right now we were running three, but we just reduced down to two because I mean, it's just like, how much, I think y'all brought it up multiple times. Like how much headache do you want to go through? Yeah. Like what, what is your amount of headache that you want to deal with every day? And it's to me, it wasn't worth it. So we just went back down to two and we're going to stay like that. <laughs> Economy of scale, man. My brother over here shows it every episode. Dang near. It's the truth. I mean, you got to sit there and weigh the pros and cons. Do I buy a bunch of machines? Do I hire a bunch of guys and have 500 headaches or do I get, get, lean and mean and profit margin jumps up and you're making the same amount of money, but your margins are better. You're making better money. Your quality of life's better. Your guy's quality of life's better. You're probably running better machines because you can afford better machines. You know, it's a give and take like Devin's Devin's my hero. I'll go, I go over to to his shop and, uh, Oh yeah. I promised we were going to tell the story. Didn't I? On the, on the Instagram, I told everybody to tell the story. So, so Brandon shows up at the shop. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I got to check out this new 325. So he jumps in it, fires it up, swings it around and stuff, jumps out, takes, we're chatting for a while, takes off. Next morning, I jump in that thing to go move it around, hit the button to go start it. It's stone dead. I'm like, oh, I must have left the master on and flipped it off when I flicked it. So I jump out, flick the master again, jump back in, hit the button. Nothing's going on. Like, what the hell? And I'm messing with it, and I look down at the dial knob, and I'm like, oh, motherfucker, he left that knob on, killed the batteries dead that night. So so then I go over, complete brain fart moment, fire the peat up, drive the peat over, because I got the battery terminals on the side of the battery box, grab the cables and put it on there, put it on the machine, sitting it there running for 25, 30 minutes. Then I go out, go to fire the machine up, computer fires up, machine won't start. What the hell? Got all these error codes and everything. I'm calling the sales guy. Can't figure out what's going on. Probably about 35 minutes into this, at which point I realized I jump in the truck to go move the truck or shut the truck off. And I look down at the battery gauge and it says 12 volts in the gauge. I'm like, you idiot. <laughs> Anyone yeah. who doesn't know, an excavator is a 24 volt system. So you ain't going to boost it. So you need to hook two trucks up to it pretty much. Yeah. Like the only like battery, way to jump yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So I sent him a picture. I'm like, well, just Steph so you did. know, the, uh, the <laughs> dial goes to the off position uh, when you when you shut it off steph was very impressed with it you know she we got her to we taught her how to move the boom and stuff and then she actually got on the skid steer and she moved buckets for us very impressive <laughs> she actually got up on the the trailer and uh grab the buckets grab the buckets and she learned how to like do the quick attach and all that and you know she was she didn't like it when i turned the throttle up a little bit because she was going so slow and she got a little <laughs> nervous but once she got the hang of it, she did pretty darn good. I got to give her props. Operator you know? training school. Yeah, we, we got OTC over at Ruben Excavation, you know, whenever you guys want to come <laughs> on. Hey, uh, they, they charge a lot of money for that stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, I think we got our Saturday plans now. We can make a little extra money on the side. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like that Top Gun moment. He's like, hey, Mav, what's the name of that truck driving school? We, we talk, The one that's on TV, that 100 truck driving school, you know we're going to get kicked out of the Navy, so, you know, we got to go to truck driving school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, 
So what are you running for jobs right now? You're doing two at a time. You're running two crews on one. Yeah, we're running about two jobs a week right now, uh, medium-sized jobs. And then we have four to five guys on each job. Um, the What's our really bread and butter is the service work of the fire line repairs. Those only take two to three guys. Um, at first, we were bidding them as a set cost job if we knew the general dynamics of what all the problem was going to be. But um, we started just doing time and material on them, and, man, those jobs are awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Do you think you specialize more in that kind of – you like yes, that space? Correct, yeah. that's We've started moving over to the medium commercial jobs more now, but before that was our bread and butter. It's, it's so hard to scale with fire lines because there's just not enough of them to do just fire lines. Yeah. Like everybody wants the water service, fire line, and sewer done same time not yeah, just yeah. fire line i've always found like same thing i got when i started it was a service repair business and i found like that's your your bread and butter that's yeah. where you're making your margins that's where you're making good money and if anyone's like wanting to get into the industry if you have knowledge like you got working knowledge you've been in it for a while you know what's going on get into the service repair it's a start because that's where you're really going to make some money and get our our first year we did i don't know 10 15 bars in the deep ellum area where we were just doing water and sewer services and it was like we were in and out in a week just easy <laughs> yep no headaches yeah no it's it's definitely good it, it well i shouldn't say that we're, <laughs> we're let's just backtrack here there's no headaches when you know what you're doing yeah and you've done tons of them <laughs> and you have experience and you know all the problems that are going to occur because the first four or five you do you're pulling your hair out and losing your marbles because you run into all these random problems and weird things and yeah that become normal after a while and Dallas, it, it kind of got tricky because they changed processes of how you do things and they didn't really have a set process in place, but like one inspector would say this, one inspector would say this. <laughs> you just kind of had to roll with it. <laughs> no, it was going to happen when you bid the job. <laughs> Is your old man still in business or? Yeah. Yeah. He's still in business and he's just doing enough to keep him busy. He calls himself semi-retired. Nice. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. What's, uh, what's the goals? What's the plan? What's the future looking like for you? Uh, future looks like, um, just right now staying where we're at. And then eventually, like I said, getting the project manager, getting the estimator, just knowing who I can trust to do that position and, um, getting to that point where I kind of have them leading everything. I think bringing in a PM and an estimator is kind of like starting a company. You gotta, you gotta still in your line again, bro, but I'm going to say it. You got to burn the boats and just fucking go for it. Because if you don't, you sit there and hesitate the whole time and you micromanage the guy, you're never going to give him a chance to do the job. And that's then, the other problem. A lot of people, they don't, they, it's their baby. They don't want to let go. That's you know, my it's problem. like, hey, I built this. This is my name on the door. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to screw this up. But at the same time, it's like, I have no life. Yeah. So what do I do? You're screwed if you don't. You're screwed if you don't. But, you gotta, you just gotta take the chance, man. Yeah. Because if you don't, you're gonna be sitting here for ten more years, going like we talked about on the phone the other day. I have no life, dude. Yeah. You know, every Saturday I'm on a job site when I could be <laughs> at home with my kids, or I could be riding my Harley, or whatever you want to do in your off time. Yep. You know, whatever your hobbies are. I mean, I slept in my chair the other night at the office. I called you. <laughs> I called him. He, I said, Guys. "Hey, what you doing?" He's like, "I'm finished up proposal. I just woke up." I'm like, guys, guys, rolling the shop. <laughs> quarter after six in the morning walk in the door i wake up as the door is opening look at me 
Oh shit, you're here early. Wait, did you sleep here? <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> Just fell asleep somewhere around three o'clock in the morning. And uh yeah, that's, that's what it is. But yeah, it's it's I'm in the same boat as you and I get it. It's hard to really want to back off and, and let somebody else do it, but at the same time, you know, it's no different the first time you left the crew in a job. Oh. Drive away. Yep. You gotta think of all this shit. Where are they gonna fuck up? <laughs> Whenever I first started back back in 2014, like just me, I was always on every site and I was always there the whole time until the crew finished. But whenever I first got, you know, enough to step away from the job site and just let them do what they needed to do, like I was like, are they going to hit a gas line? Are they going to hit the water main? It's Friday at four o'clock. Of course oh, they're going to hit the water yeah. main. <laughs> like just all these things were just racing through my head. And I'm like, how do I get past this? And then finally it just, you know, clicked. I don't always hit water lines, but when I do, it's four o'clock on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I swear to God, dude, I would—I'll never forget it. We were—we were doing a um, turn lane, and the utility contractor was doing his tap, and they were digging it out. And I was like, "Really doing a tap on a Friday? That is like the worst luck in the <laughs> world, dude." And the inspector was even kind of like, "Why are you guys wanting to do it today?" Like he even kind of said something, and yeah. I was like. I walked over, it was a job of McKinney, and, you know, they're not the easiest guys to deal with, especially with utility stuff, but I walked up to him, and I was like, you know something's going to happen. I got a feeling. He's like, bro, you better go find some wood and knock on it. I was like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. So I found a stake, and I went and knocked on it, and I'm, like, getting in my truck, and I'm headed home. All of a sudden, I look behind me, and I just see, and I see the bucket, like, trying to, you know, cover it up, and I'm like, oh, I'm out. One of our, <laughs> I didn't see shit. One of our first jobs in Deep Ellum, we were working off of Main Street there, and uh, we hit an old curb stop. They didn't take it out and plug it, and just Ooh. blew out. And I was like, I, I came up to the job site, and there's water just going everywhere. You know, all these businesses down Main Street. It's three o'clock on a Friday, of course, <laughs> and all these all these businesses. The owners are coming out, and they're like, "What's going on? What's going on?" And I'm like, I don't know. And then one of my guys, he, uh, I've never seen this trick before. That's one thing. Even as an owner, you will learn something every day, literally every day. He takes one of the shovels, cuts off the end of it, and bevels it down and jams it in the hole. And I was like, that's not going to work. That's going to blow out in two seconds. Sure enough, just like a pencil, you know, it it blocked the water. And the city of Dallas comes out there and they're like, well, uh, I mean, this isn't really y'all's fault. This is an old service. We should have had it marked out, blah, blah, blah. We'll get all the parts and everything you need. And they're like, but you need to go to our water department on the other side of town and go pick it up. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. We'll we'll bring you the parts, but you're going to install it. Yeah. Like that, that water department, because I, I have to go over there to get water meters sometimes for jobs. Yep. Dude, it is out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like, you're like, how is this Dallas? <laughs> Like you literally go through East Dallas and you're like, this is a shithole. And then all of a sudden you're in the woods yep. <laughs> and you're like, how the fuck is this Dallas? And then you're in swampland and you're like, all of a sudden this huge building is like in front of you and it's the water department. I'm like, and you walk in there, it's the same old guy. Every time I walk in there, he's like 400 fucking pounds. And he's like, can I help you? I'm like, yeah, I need the water meter. He's like, what contract are you with? I was like, what contract? What did you say? What what contractor were you with? I'm, like, I'm Iron Eagle. Oh, oh yeah, I got your meter right here. 
it's right there. And he's like, it's like right next to the guy. He won't even pick it up to hand it to you. So you got to walk around his damn <laughs> desk and pick up the water mirror. I'm like, bro, I get it. You're a city employee, but you can still get off your fucking ass and help me. <laughs> like for real, dude. Like every time I've ever had to deal with them, it's the same fucking guy too. Yeah. We, uh, we, we made, so when I was in Canada, we used to do a lot of residential service upgrades and, uh, the city is like, everything was built in the forties and fifties. So you don't really ever know what you're digging up. And yeah. usually it's just deteriorated it's so bad at that point. All the CCs are leaking. Everything's just a mess. You're trying to shut off the water service. You know, and if you call the city to come do it, you're waiting two, three days maybe to get them to come out. So you just go and shut it off. And then of course you turn it off and you break it or it starts leaking and pissing in the ditch and then you're trying to fix it. And yeah, but uh, we established rules, and uh, one of the rules is that we'd never do a sewer line or a water line repair on a Friday because every time it's screwed up. Oh, no. Uh, for t- late-night tie-ins, 2 a.m. tie-ins, I have every possible sleeve yep. that you can ever think of on every single one of my jobs now. Yep. The first time I did a late-night tie-in, everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. Yep. <laughs> have three or four of them because somebody's going to use one and not tell you and then uh, you go to grab it and it's not there but yeah so we against my better judgment and our rules i uh we had a slammed week i booked this line in on the friday we had two jobs going i literally went with one of my guys to go do this go out there in the morning dig it up find it run it all the way back the street everything went perfect like i mean textbook (laughs) perfect and it's three o'clock in the afternoon and i look at dave i'm like man we could just cut this and tied in and get it backfilled. And he looks at me, he's like, not a fucking chance. I'm like, come on, man. Like it, everything. He's like, dude, everything has gone perfect yep. to this point. Like we are not doing, we're it. not fucking this. Yeah. And I'm right like, now. I'm like, all right, you're right, Dave. That's, that's fine. I was like, all right. I crushed that pipe a little bit. Like the old non crowed pipe. I kicked it with the bucket when I was thinking I'm like, crushed it. I'm like, just go down there, cut that section of pipe out, splice a piece in. So that way when they got service for the night, we'll come back tomorrow. We'll finish it up. All right, cool. Meanwhile, for people that don't know sewer and water and the residential stuff, especially in the old things, your sewer line, your water line always run in the same ditch because they dug it by hand back then and they weren't digging two ditches. They literally threw them one on top of each other and put them in the same ditch up up north anyways. So we couldn't find the water line all day. And it, it was weird because it's always with the sewer line, but we couldn't find it. And I'm like, it was a duplex. I'm like, maybe they ran it off that. So I didn't think nothing of it. Dave gets down in the ditch, the recips off, go to cut the uh, sewer line out starts cutting i'm literally like in my truck stripping my coat off just about to leave or just about to start the truck and all of a sudden i just hear dave yelling and i come running over <laughs> the water line was directly under the sewer line and dave cuts through the sewer line with the recip saw and cuts right through the water oh, line and it's 3 30 or 4 o'clock on a friday in february in canada so it's like literally negative 20 fahrenheit it's freezing there's water blowing everywhere the cc is frozen solid we couldn't shut it off in the first place because it's literally full of ice and it's frozen solid so we got water blowing out in the ditch <laughs> in this front lawn on the side of a main street and i'm just like shit run back to the truck i grabbed two sled i don't even know what i was thinking i grabbed two sledgehammers and i come running back in the ditch and literally i jump in this ditch which is now knee deep in water and there's like a stub of fucking of pipe sticking out of the ground because dave has grabbed it at this point and reefed it up in the air so we wouldn't lose the, the water line and I jumped down, there were two sledgehammers, and I start smashing these sledgehammers together on this copper pipe. Because if you ever tried to kink over copper when it's pressured, you ain't doing it. I'm smashing these sledgehammers <laughs> together to try to kink this pipe and bend it flat. And then I kink the damn thing over and get it to finally stop blowing water. By the time I got the water stopped in the ditch, there's probably two and a half feet of water in this trench. 
and it's freezing cold. Well, now the house has no water service and it's a duplex and it's a service of the both sides. And I'm like, shit, jump in the truck, rip to the supply house, get there just in time to get a compression coupling and a, a chunk of Kytec because I didn't have anything because we weren't going to do the water line. <laughs> <laughs> I get back there, still can't turn the CC off. So <laughs> grab the hunk of Kytec, get it stuffed on the house side, crimp it down, get it touched on there. Then we grab the water pipe and I look at Dave. I'm like, this is going to suck. He's like, yeah, I know. Cause we've done this before in the summer, but like it's freezing. It's winter, you know, like everything is frozen. We're down there knee deep in water, clean the pipe up, get everything ready to go. So basically what we're doing is we're doing a hot, t- we're, we're splicing the line together while it's running at 70 PSI out of a one inch line. And you're going to stuff it in to the fitting and then tighten this fitting up. And while you're trying to do this, the, the ditch is flooding Water spraying everywhere. It's just a complete gong show. <laughs> Get everything ready. Slam the grinder on it. And anyone who's ever done this knows. But the minute you hit that water line with the grinder, you start cutting through it. And then you make your way through it with the grinder. And then you got this stream of water coming out of here blows the grinder off of it sprays you in the face and you got to try to find the same hole that you've hit with the grinder to get it cut through clean it up and then jam the whole thing together tighten it up like you're drenched and it's minus 20 fahrenheit out like it was just absolute <laughs> hell but all that to say don't do a tap on a friday <laughs> no don't mess with sure. it. It's kind of like dare, you know, hugs are better than drugs. <laughs> Don't do water taps on Fridays. Yeah. <laughs> First thing in the morning on a Monday, never on a Friday afternoon. No. But yeah. We actually in the dirt world have superstitions. You don't start a job on a Friday. Yep. So you guys don't tap water lines. We don't start jobs on Fridays because if you want a snake bit fucking job, start a job on a Friday yeah. in the dirt business. That job's going to have a grade bust that you didn't figure out on the topo somehow. The, every other trade ain't going to haul their shit off. You're going to hit like six lines. You're going to hit a fiber. You're going to hit a water line. You're going to hit a gas line. You're going to hit burial yeah. ground. Yeah. You're going to literally dig up some fucking old house that they buried. I mean, dude, we pulled a fucking engine out one time, a 350 Chevy engine in the middle of a house pad. We were like, where the fuck did this come from? Because there was nothing around it. It was just this giant 350 motor. And my guys took a picture of it sitting in the bucket, and it's, like, hanging out. I'm like, <laughs> perfectly good 350, too. It was a nice-looking one. I was like, damn, dude, what the fuck? So I'm thinking the guy boosted it, and he buried it. That's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> well, that job in Melissa, they found uh, human re- uh, human remains on, and they had to stop that job for, like, yeah. six months. Could you imagine doing that? We Jesus. found Indian burial grounds one time when I was uh, working at another company, and uh, they had to shut that one down for about a year because they had to come out there and – zoom it and geologist people and all that crap yeah because it was like prehistoric time crap and they found like some dinosaur bones and my boss was like yeah we ain't coming back to this one for a while (laughs) 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 so So, you guys want to pay standby on this or (laughs) so we doing tnm on this deal or how's this gonna work out (laughs) we're doing delay on that one we're getting close to finishing up the uh, episode so you guys got anything else you want to talk about real quick I know we touched on a lot of stuff. We were all over the map on this one. This, this was, was a good. Ep- the, this uh, was a fun episode. I gotta admit, and I got all my favorite people here tonight. I gotta admit, this has been a blast having everybody in the house. You know, I don't know if anyone learned anything, but uh, they definitely <laughs> probably got a laugh out of our. Uh, our, our we haven't had a comedy stories. one in a while, though. Yeah, it was pretty fortunes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the learning lessons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, hey, every lesson I learn, I learn it the hard way. <laughs> Well, Matt, we would we definitely want to have you back on the show, buddy. I appreciate um, that. Yeah. So, how can we reach you if anybody wants to 
hold on on Instagram, just MJM Utilities. Um, yeah, Instagram, not very much on Facebook. So okay, do you have a website? Uh, no, I do not. Not okay. currently. Yeah, uh, we know a guy. Okay, uh, yeah, he's uh, he could hook you up. So. Yeah, he's good shit. Yeah, he's good shit. Uh, Luke Eger Broughton from Phaser Marketing. Yeah, we'll mm-hmm. give you a shout out, Luke. <laughs> I want a discount. I want my commission. <laughs> <laughs> about to send you a hat too, so I want my commission. So, oh, by the way, uh, everybody doesn't know the on grade hats are out. Colton, if you can hold yours up real quick, so everybody can see it. So, uh, everybody that's listening, I'm sorry you can't see it, but uh, if you want to go on the YouTube channel and also subscribe while you're on the YouTube channel, we truly appreciate like it. You can drop a comment. Yeah, we're up to 101. We're getting there, guys. We're we're not even close to a thousand, but we're getting there. We're so. coming for you, Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> also, we've got the on grade uh, uh, shop now online. I don't know the link. I'll put it in the link tree, and it's in our link tree. And it's also I'll put it on the Spotify and all that crap. But if you give us our five stars on Spotify, I'll give you a crisp pie five. Yeah, crisp pie five. Yeah. Also, uh, check us out on the gram, uh, Facebook. YouTube, we're on something else, aren't we on something else? What else are we on? I know, you've listed my extent of my uh, <laughs> I think we're on LinkedIn. Media. Yeah, we're on LinkedIn, yeah. Also, give some love to my brother uh, who came in to help us out tonight. Much love to the Certified Wrench. Give him a listen. Incredible show, incredible man, and a great friend. Turned out to be an amazing friend. And uh, we got that thing coming up I was telling you about. We're going to do it with, like, four other podcasts. So we're going to have, like, a... Like a big round table thing that podcast gangbang. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be like uh I went too far. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna have to call it that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> podcast it's kinda bang. like sweat and grime when they were talking about that. It was like sweat and grime when they were talking about cock socks. So I guess we'll have to we'll have to use the cock socks for that. <laughs> the cock socks. Uh, oh yeah. Jesus. Oh, uh, our credibility is now shot. But. Yeah, we're <laughs> fucked. Uh, anyways, guys, please like and subscribe. Give us our five stars. Go on Apple. Leave us a review. Just I don't care if it's my breath stinks and Devin needs to use Fahrenheit instead of Celsius. Whatever you want to say. <laughs> but uh, much love to everyone that's been uh, following the show and really starting to step up with the support. Colton's been helping us out a lot. You know, Sweat and Grime for reaching out and helping us out as well. Dirty and Driven. And all the Canadian companies that Devin's brought on, thank you so much. Uh, we love you guys. And whenever you guys get down here, we're going to have you on the show. I've already told him that. So we're going to have we're going to have a lot his of- ass down here. I told him he'd come down for the winter and lay some pipe with us. But uh, <laughs> which who are you going to have come down? I keep telling Christian he's got to come down here and hang out. Well, with yeah, the he does. Yeah. yeah, they all do. I need some dirt guys. So you know what's so- going to happen? He doesn't want to come because his crew will never go back to Canada if he comes down here. I know. He's gonna, they're going to. Ta- <laughs> They're going to taste Whataburger sweet tea and fucking barbecue and be like, oh, fuck that shit. And then they're going to see Bucky's and be like, yeah, really fuck that shit. So anyways, guys, uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, please like and subscribe. And Dev, you got anything, brother? I think that's about it. We hit it all. We, uh, yeah, we, we, yeah, we, it was good. It was a good time. We'll good see time. you next time, guys. Stay classy. Stay humble. You've been listening to the On Grade Podcast. If you're wanting to get into the business, grow your business, or learn more about the trades of construction, this is your hub. 
Brandon and Devin both own excavation companies in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. And on each show, you'll hear from the business owners and leaders that make the industry tick. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Instagram at on underscore grade TX. On Facebook at On Grade Podcast. On YouTube at On Grade 5384. And find the show on Spotify and Apple. See you next time on the On Grade Podcast.